message, let's all stand up, take a moment and say hello to someone around you. And as you make your way back to your seats this morning, we're going to jump into God's Word. And I am excited about what God is doing. Hey, how beautiful is it outside right now? I am just like, thank you, Lord. You know, uh, we've been traveling a bit for the last uh, few weeks. And, and everywhere I went was just hot. It was just hot. And then we came home to heavenly Tennessee <laughs> with these temps. It was just wonderful sitting out on the porch last night, studying and praying. And, and uh, I just, these are the moments that you go, God, thank you. Thank you that Tennessee is so much like heaven. Amen. So just so perfect. That's for all of our friends in other states. But anyway, I'm so glad you're here today. And we're going to have a great time as we dig into the word of God. And we've been in a series called The Time Is Now. And I can't think of a more appropriate subject for us to talk about and dig into his word. And I want to tell you why. Because we live in a day that we are or should be desperate for the hand of God to be moving and be seen. Now, here's what's amazing, is the hand of God is moving, and God is doing things. I think the challenge for all of us is positioning ourselves so that we can see it, and not only see it, but be a part of it. So today, as we dig into God's Word, I, I just want to encourage you to look at your life. You could say today, well, pastor, I've been, I've been a believer for a long time. I've been doing this. The one thing I can tell you that I found as a believer, the day that you stop learning is the day that you stop growing. And that is not God's will for your life. We're to grow every day. And as we talk about that in this series, the core scripture was found in Haggai. I won't go through that whole passage because I want to take this in a different direction today. But the prophet Haggai presented this statement through as the voice of God to God's people. Consider your ways. This was not a statement to unbelievers. This was not a statement to people that didn't know God or were not in relationship with God in that moment. This was a statement to believers. And I would speak to you this morning just as Haggai did. The time is now to consider your ways. In other words, where are the areas of compromise in your life that you've allowed the enemy to get a foothold? What area of your life have you allowed the enemy to whisper 
to you? What area of your life have you just gotten lazy in the things of God? Consider your ways. And lastly, what areas of your life have you found yourself worshiping at a different altar? And when I say that, some of will remember some of the, the messages I've taught on the altars. But what I will tell you is this, is we are called to worship at the altar of God. And most of the time in our culture, we find ourselves so tempted and it becomes so natural flesh-wise to worship at the altar of self. And I think that's the core message that Haggai is speaking to the people. Is it time for you to focus on what you want and your desire and your blessing and disregard what God's called your life to mean and do? These are powerful, powerful statements. And we've hit some interesting subjects over this, and today will be no different. Because here's what I know and what I believe before we read Scripture, is that it's crucial. And let's want to say that, I mean it's crucial, critical for believers to understand, acknowledge, and embrace the fact that there is spiritual warfare. It's crucial. You can ignore it all you want to, but can I just tell you this? Ignorance does not excuse you because spiritual warfare is going to happen whether you acknowledge it or not. But whether you acknowledge it and accept it and understand that God's equipped you for it, all that's going to happen is you'll find yourself in a defeated place. So this is how God is teaching us. In this, uh, in this passage, we're going to find that Paul is talking to us, and he's dealing and teaching us one of the most important lessons, I believe, that he was sharing in that time. So if you would, stand to your feet really quickly and open your Bibles into 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 through 5. The Bible says that, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into the captivity or into captivity to the obedience of Christ every thought. Let's pray. Father, today as we step into this moment, I pray, God, that as we sow the seed of your word, that, God, it would find fertile soil in the hearts of every person. Lord, I pray that this seed would bring back a harvest of good in every life. And today, God, I ask this, that through your word, you would convict our hearts, because we need to be better. We know that. So, Father, I pray that you would do that and give us the strength to do what we need to do today. And finally, Lord, I ask this, that when we leave our time together, that we would leave changed in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. You can be seated. So as you're being seated, I want to ask you a question. How many of you 
have been through things in your life that you recognize, that you recognize this is spiritual warfare, without a doubt. Anybody been through some things and you recognize that? Okay, that's great. And here's the thing. Many of us go through challenges in life and we don't realize that some of the battles or the situations or the circumstances that we're in, it's not natural yet, but it's supernatural. I can tell you this, that in my life, that the times that I have felt most beat up, the times that I've felt most lonely, anybody ever felt lonely in the house? Yeah, you're right. The most times I felt uh, pulled away from people, most unsupported, those things have also been the moments that were preceding some of the greatest breakthroughs in my life and some of the greatest God moments. So the reason that I think this is so important, because we have an entire culture that wants to point you away and excuse away the things of spiritual warfare in your life. But I want you as a believer to understand, there is a battle for your soul. There is a battle for your heart, and it is happening right now. So the more that you understand how the enemy works, the more you can respond the way God would want you to respond and to use the tools that God's given you in order to do that. So I would say this, when we talk about spiritual warfare, many of us have been around for a long time and I know, I find it odd, but I know in a lot of places they don't talk about spiritual warfare. It's like it's uh, the unwanted message, but around here we talk about it a lot. And the reason is because I care about your life. I am a shepherd. And as I look at the lives of people, the one thing that I see is people get so frustrated, so uh, turned around that they get into a circumstance, they get into a situation, and uh, they, they start feeling all these different things and, and all these different emotions because of the circumstances in their lives. And then they end up making decisions that are not God-based decisions because they've allowed the enemy to direct them. Why? because they found themselves unaware of the battle that's going on in their heart and in their mind. So when we look at this passage, I want to start with just a few key thoughts, but I want to start with one that I want you to really get into your heart today. Spiritual warfare is a reality that every believer must face. Spiritual warfare is a reality that every believer must face, and it requires a deeper understanding of the power of God, and the enemy at work in the world. Leave that up for a while because that's a longer key thought than I normally use. I think this is so important for us because in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4 that we just read says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not of the flesh. They're not of this world, right? So when we see that, it says, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. So the first thing we need to see is understand that the power of God is at work in this world and the power of the enemy is at work in this world. You need to be able to differentiate between the work of God and the work of the enemy. And some of you are going, well, that's kind of obvious. Is it? Because sometimes I see people attributing things that are not of God to God. We need to be careful to have this discernment to understand where are we? What's going on in our world? What's happening? So we understand the power of God, and we also understand that the enemy is at work in this world. It's not hard to see. 
it's not hard to see, especially today. I, I say this all the time, is that what's fascinating to me is that the enemy doesn't even hide what he's doing anymore, seemingly. It's out in front of us. You know, and it's the, it's the redirect. Have you ever noticed that? It's like, uh, uh, I, I will say this because I sincerely believe by Scripture, by what we read, that we very well could be living in the last days that the Bible speaks of. That's a whole nother series. But what I will tell you is I sincerely believe that. And what I also believe is that as that time approaches, the darkness will be more pervasive and more pervasive, and which leads up to the rapture of the church. That's Second Thessalonians speaks about. But what I want you to understand is when we see all these things going on, we have been talking about deception on Wednesday nights when teaching through that. But here's what I want you to see is even now when we're talking about these things, there are things that are lining up to explain away the rapture of the church. Now, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, so as though I realize that conspiracy theorist uh, gets a more uh, noble moniker every week that goes by. But what I will tell you is this, when we see these things at work, we understand that there is a battle that's taking place and we need to acknowledge that in our own hearts. Too many people dismiss it as Harry fairy. And I'm going to tell you right now, the spiritual warfare that the enemy is raging in your soul is not Harry fairy. It's reality. There is a spiritual battle raging for you. And the truth is this, whether you acknowledge it or not, it's here. It's not coming. It's not about to be here. It's here. So I'm going to ask you a question. How many of you in this room, even this week, if you're being honest, would say, Pastor, I will tell you the enemy has been attacking my mind this week. Anybody? See? That's what I want you to understand. Is that It's happening around you. The question is, how will you respond? And if you have the tools in place and you understand what God's given you, you'll understand that the first battle that we fight is the battle of our thoughts. The battle of our thoughts. The first place the enemy is going to attack you is in your thoughts and what you're thinking. So what is a stronghold in this picture? When we read this through Scripture, it says for the tearing down of strongholds. That's what the tools that God's given us are for. The Bible says that strongholds are or would lead us to understand that strongholds are anything that oppose the truth, arguments that oppose the truth. Now, how many of us know in our culture today, that's all we see is an argument that opposes the truth. As a matter of fact, the enemy is so at play that there are people that consider themselves believers who are deceived. And we say, how, how, how can they be deceived? I ask that question all the time, but I can't answer it. I can tell you, how can they be deceived? Because they dismiss that there's an actual battle for their heart and for their mind and their soul. And the first way that the enemy wants to get to your soul is to distort your thinking. To the point that many times in churches, what we'll find is there's so much compromise that is being justified as acceptable behavior when in fact, when you read through the Word of God, the Word of God declares absolutely the opposite of what people are living, and we look at it and we want to dismiss certain things because it feels better. Why does that happen? Because the enemy plants the seeds of the culture, and because you're surrounded by so much of culture every single day, you find yourself uh, worn down 
after a while. So that's what I want to kind of speak about because there's another guy, and I won't go through the scripture, I'll just refer to where it's at, but in Judges chapter 6, there's a story of a man named Gideon, one of my favorite stories, and I, I can identify with Gideon on so many levels. But Gideon in this passage is found threshing wheat in a wine press. Many of us know the story if you've read that. If you haven't, you really should. It's a fascinating story. And contextually, it's, it's powerful. But here Gideon is in this thing. He's hiding from the enemy that's been just routinely defeating him over and over. The entire nation is oppressed by their enemy to the point that he's just trying to meagerly get by with what he can hidden to take care of his family. Because what the enemy would do would come in at harvest and take everything that they had harvested for themselves and leave them with nothing. How many of you have felt like that in your life? The enemy comes in and takes everything that you thought was precious, everything that you had worked for, everything that you longed for and dreamed for, and here you are feeling like you have nothing. So what I want to challenge you is this, because the same way that the angel of the Lord came and spoke to Gideon, I believe the Lord is speaking to us today. Because the angel of the Lord comes down in his weakest, most embarrassing moment when he's hiding. Isn't that funny how God shows up in the moment? You're like, oh, really? God, couldn't you come when I was like a little stronger? But no, he comes in our weakness. And so here Gideon is doing this. The angel of the Lord comes up and just starts talking just for sake of conversation. You know, he looks at him and goes, hey, Gideon, you mighty man of valor. How would you feel in that moment, in your weakest moment, and the angel of the Lord comes and says, you mighty man of valor? I don't know about you, I'd feel foolish. I would feel foolish not because I was in there, I'd be foolish because uh, you got the wrong guy. That must be somebody over there that's not hiding, you know, that's not afraid of the oppressor. But yet here's where we find Gideon. And the angel begins to talk to him and calls him and tells him, this is what you're going to do. And Gideon goes to argue with the Lord. I'm not worthy. I'm not that guy. I'm the weakest. We're the poorest. We're the, all these different stories. But yet here we are in this moment and the angel of the Lord is seeing something in Gideon that Gideon lost in his own mind. Because the Lord said, you're a mighty man of valor and in his mind, he was fearful. So what I want to tell you is that God sees something in you that perhaps you don't see in yourself because he created you with a purpose. He created you for on mission. But you have to realize if the enemy can get into your thinking, he can cripple your future. Thank God Gideon's story shifts and changes. But it's a powerful statement of this. And, and it really brings me to this place when we talk about spiritual warfare. You know, the problem in the church is we have believers who are cowards. Yeah. Let's just be honest. They're afraid of everything. And you know what I hate to see is when believers are afraid of unbelievers. Well, pastor, if I make that stand, if I speak of the truth of the gospel, if I speak about the, le uh, the legitimacy of the word of God and, and the inerrancy of scripture, when I, if I begin to think, they're, they're going to think I'm stupid or crazy. Okay. 
I don't know that that's ever not been the story. So I would ask this, as so many of us come to this place, how many times are we dismissing the, the powerful things of God because we don't want to be embarrassed to culture? And that's a hard question, isn't it? But it's true. I see it all the time. Well, we don't want to talk about that. Let's just talk. Pastor, we just don't need to discuss that. I remember uh, hearing about a pastor who was doing some premarital counseling, and he was, he was counseling this particular couple, and it was a, a young couple, and they were looking forward to getting married, and, and all these things were going on. And, and as he began to counsel them, he began to tell them some things, and, and the, the, the girl looked at him and said, oh, pastor, we don't need to talk about those things because that doesn't concern us. <laughs> and he looks at him and he goes, oh, but it will. But so many of us are like that young couple. I don't want to have those conversations because it doesn't apply to me. Yes, it does. Because spiritual warfare comes for everybody. The enemy has a plan to destroy your life, as the Bible says, and God has a plan to advance your life. But if you're not aware that there's a battle, what happens then? So, so let's keep going. Okay, uh, I had a dog that was a stray that we found. His name was Spot. We were always really creative with dog names. Anybody else creative with dog names? I had a dog named Grunt. I had a dog named Spot. I had a dog named Pooch. And my dad had a dog. <laughs> well, let's keep off that. Okay. So the point is, is we were really creative in dog names. Well, Spot was this little fat dog that we found under the church one day, and he was hiding. And after me and dad had climbed under the church and drugged this dog out at risk of life and limb, we drugged this dog out, and this little puppy became, not a puppy, but he, he became a part of our lives. We loved Spot. And Grunt loved Spot. It was nice. It was a good deal. Grunt and Spot, they're happy. And as Spot became a part of our lives, it was terrible to see what his thinking was like. Every time any animal, I, uh, any animal would come near Spot, he would immediately roll over onto his back and expose his belly. It's like, I'm too tired to do this anymore. Just kill me. Right? That was the attitude. You know, it's like, it didn't matter. You know, I mean, it, I, I'm pretty sure if a cat came up to Spot, Spot would roll over and say, it's, I don't care. I'm tired. I've worn out. My life has been too hard. I've been abused. I've been hurt. I've been kicked. I've been pulled out from under a church where I was trying to hide. I've had a rough life, okay? But so many of us are like Spot. We've been beat up. We've been abused. We feel unneeded and unwanted. So much so that when somebody actually wants you, when somebody actually needs you, when somebody wants to love you and give you the life, the future that you desire and deserve, that instead of bucking up and saying, this is my life, this is what I'm, we roll over and say, just kill me now. I'm tired of fighting. What I want to tell you right now is that is the pure picture of spiritual warfare. 
And I'm telling you right now, no matter what your past has had, God has a plan for your life. But you need to understand the tools that God has given you. So let's take some time and talk about what those are that we find in Scripture. For sake of time, uh, there'll be faith in God. Faith in God. Faith in the power of God. We have to have faith in the power of God that our circumstances are not a big issue for him. That he is able. You know, sometimes in the darkest places of my life, in the challenges of my life, I've had a lot of disappointments just like everybody else. But in the darkest places of of my life, when I'm questioning things, I have learned to start saying some things just over and over in my mind. And the first one is always this, God is able. When we've had bad diagnoses in our life, the first thing I'm always in my mind and in my spirit, God is able. God is able. Chances are that many of you have come to me in dark times and talked to me, and one of the first things I always come to is God is able. Why? Because the first tool that we have to have for spiritual warfare is to know that the battle is winnable. I can overcome. I can, not by my power. All I need is the tenacity to believe in faith that God is able. Come on. That God is able no matter what it looks like. So one of the tools is just simply that faith in God. Prayer. Prayer. The Bible teaches us that prayer is one of the tools that we have to fight spiritual warfare. I've told this story before, but I remember one time, uh, Tawana and I went to Las Vegas. Yeah, I know, it's a weird place to go for a pastor, right? But uh, we went to Las Vegas, and, and we were enjoying the food and all those things, and some people had warned us, says, now, pastor, you're going to love the restaurants, you're going to love all that stuff, but when you're walking down the strip, it might be interesting. And I'm like, come on, man, I wasn't born yesterday. It's not like I, you know, it's like, come on. Little did I understand the depth of what they were speaking of. And I remember Tuan and I were walking down the strip, and, and there were people in the corners, and we kept hearing, something to Las Vegas, know what that is. It's the people with cards on the side trying to basically sell women, you know, that sort of thing. And uh, as we're going through there, you know, where they try to hand you a card, and you're like, no, 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 and you keep walking. And as we're walking down the street, Tuana started pulling my arm, saying, stop it. <laughs> I was like, What? Does anybody ever ha- else have a wife like that? That like, okay, okay, I'm just curious. Okay. Well, your hand went up really fast, Mark. <laughs> but she started pulling on my arm and said, and she goes, you're praying in tongues. And I went, I am? I didn't even realize that I'd done that, but it was because of the darkness that was encroaching the spirit inside of me began to awaken that I didn't know. What I want to let you know, that's the, my prayer language. And as that darkness came, my instinct was to pray. So God gives us this power. That's why I tell people when they don't understand things about the Holy Spirit, it's not a weird thing. It's a thing of, it's a tool. You know, it's a tool that God gives us. The Holy Spirit is not a tool. The Holy Spirit is part of the triune Godhead. He's amazing. And that relationship with him gives us access to the tools of the Spirit. And part of that is that that prayer language that empowers you in those moments because there's more to you than you think there is. So let's keep going. So there's prayer. Oh, man, and this is the one people don't like. Obedience to the word. Obedience to the word. You say, what does that have to do with spiritual warfare? Everything. 
Because if we're living in accordance to what the Word of God says to the best of our ability, to the best of our understanding, it will empower you to handle the things that the enemy throws at you. And you can see with eyes of discernment these things. So we have to really push through these things, which brings us to our second key thought. By embracing the truth of spiritual warfare, you'll equip yourself with the knowledge and tools needed to overcome the enemy and stand firm in your faith. I'm going to say that last part again. Stand firm in your faith. Now, just like last time, they're going to keep those up longer today because I know they're longer key thoughts. But what I want you to understand is these things are all about you standing firm in the midst of temptation. You standing firm in the midst of when the enemy's trying to implant thoughts and things into your mind that you know are not of God. It's that place of standing firm when everything seems wrong around you, but you're saying, what am I supposed to do? You don't give in to the world because your salvation is worth it. Your life is worth it. Your future is worth it. You need to stand firm especially in this day. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 2 verse 11, says, lest Satan should take advantage of us for we are not ignorant of his devices. He's talking about forgiveness and the fact that we need to understand the power of that tool in our tool belt to understand because if we don't forgive, what happens? The enemy gets a foothold. He could take advantage of us. I'm just telling you, when you get these thoughts that say, people don't love me, people don't like me, I'm not needed, all these things, these are strategies of the enemy to point you into a different direction that God has not called you into. And then the enemy can take advantage of that thought because now it's implanted. So we have to be careful because here's the deal. No matter how you feel, God has called you to rise up and fight against what can seem like impossible odds. But it's not impossible because he is able. Remember, God is able. God is able. Let me give you one more key thought. The truth of spiritual warfare reminds you that you are not alone in your struggle and that God is always at work. He's always at work, even in the midst of darkness. I don't know about you. Man, there's darkness everywhere. I mean, you don't even have to go outside to experience that darkness anymore. All you have to do is turn on your television, look at your social media feeds, all these things, and you recognize how pervasive this darkness has become. And the reason I say this is because we have to realize that even when things happen in our lives that we don't understand, we first need to understand it's a battle. The enemy is fighting against you. As a matter of fact, I don't know about you, but you know, most of the difficult things in my life were unexpected. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm saying? I'm just like, you know, it's not, it's not the things I expected. I was prepared for them. It's the unexpected. And I'm reminded of a time uh, I wrote it down, in Mark, in Mark chapter 4. And here Jesus is with the disciples in the boat. And if you remember the story, he's in the boat and he's asleep and a storm suddenly rose up. And it's a fascinating scripture. Yeah, Mark 1, 4, 37. Great job. And a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. Now, Jesus is asleep. 
And the disciples are like, what is going on? Don't you even care? All, the, you know, all these different ideas. And it's fascinating because Jesus comes out and he just looks at it and he goes, peace be still. And it's all done. Here's what's fascinating. This word arose. This word is genomai in Greek. And it means when something unexpected happens. So what I want you to understand is when something unexpected happens in your life, we, because of the Holy Spirit, have access to the same system of tools, the same power that Jesus used to speak to that moment. And what you've got to learn is to be able to speak to those moments when the enemy's attacking and you don't understand, you have a, you're confused, all these things, and you can speak like Jesus did and say, peace, be still, stop in the name of Jesus, stop, I'm, we're not going there. How many times have you been in that situation and you didn't know what to do? I mean, have any of us been in those moments? Like, I have no idea what to do. Come on, let's some honesty in the room, right? I'm going to tell you as a spirit-filled believer, as a person walking with the Lord, I am telling you right now that you have the authority to speak and say, peace, be still. And this morning, there's some of you in this place today, you're going through some difficult places where the enemy's tried to really rage against you. You felt that battle and you felt it intimately. As a matter of fact, you have found it separating you from things that you know draw you closer to God. Because let me tell you, the first thing the enemy wants to do is pull you away from the things that strengthen you. And when he pulls you away from those things, you become more separated, more separated, and you don't feel the things of God anymore. Because if he can get you numb to the things of God, then he's got you. That's what we're talking about. And that's lest the enemy take advantage of you because we're unaware. No, no, no. We're aware. It's time to wake up and realize the enemy is real and the enemy is out to get you. Spiritual warfare is real. Let me tell you, as a parent, the enemy's after your kids. We know that. But are we reacting to it? See, what I don't want you to be is that believer who sticks their head in the sand and says, oh, that's not, that's crazy. That's not really happening. Or they really see it and they dismiss it. I think Americans in general have this, this innate, uh, I don't want to call it a talent, but this innate ability to dismiss things that are happening right in front of them and act like it's not going on. And I'm telling you right now, that's why our nation's in the place that it is. Because the people of God have just dismissed things and said, no, 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 that can't happen. That's not real. We'll fix it later. No, no, there comes that. You got to fix it now. And how do we do that? We acknowledge that the enemy's at work. Our enemy is not flesh and blood. Our enemy is principalities, powers, and the things of the enemy in the world, right? So what we realize is this, the enemy is out to get every one of us. And I need you to understand that when those things arise, you have to be reminded that you're not alone in your struggle, that you're not alone. And God is always at work. That's the most fascinating piece. The most frustrating place you can be is oftentimes right before the greatest breakthrough that you'll ever find. And you say, I've heard that all my life because it's true. 
but yet we don't receive it because we get frustrated, we get hurt, we get tired, we get worn out, and we turn into spot. It's like, I'm just tired of fighting. I'm just going to roll over because it's over. I'm just exhausted. And can I tell you this? There have been many moments in my life where I felt like spot. I felt if one more person comes against me, you know, if one more situation, <laughs> if one more thing in my house breaks, if one more child has another episode, we get exhausted. And the thing is this, when we're weary, we're the most susceptible. So that's why the enemy's always pounding you. But what I'm here to tell you today is that God gives you the tool set to say, you don't have to do that. You don't have to allow that. You are not the enemy's punching bag. You are, nor are you his walk mat. And too many people walk around like, can I just tell you something? Is this, I believe fully in, you know, the Bible says, turn the other cheek. We walk with grace. I walk with grace, but there's only so far you're going to push me. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yep. I'm just telling you, there has to come a place where you say, you know what, enemy, devil, you're not wreaking havoc in my family anymore. But now you can speak those words, but you know what you got to do? Now you got to back those words up. Because the problem probably is because you keep giving in to a temptation that's causing the havoc in your life. So now you got to be man or woman enough to say, okay, you know what? No more. I'm dealing with my crap. I'm dealing with my stuff. I am not. I just said that. I can't believe my mom would kill me. <laughs> but you've got to deal with the stuff in your life and be a man or a woman and realize that the havoc that's happened in your family can be stopped nine times out of 10 by you but we don't want to do it. We don't want to face it. We don't want to ha do the work. I'm just telling you, to fight this, to be who God's called us to be, <laughs> we need to understand that we can speak, say, God, I speak to my situation. I speak to my marriage. I speak to my financial situation. I speak to my sickness. I speak to all the, I say, peace. I speak to this anxiety, this thing in my head, these lies that I know do not, they're not God thoughts. They are, these are not thoughts that should be entering into my head. Peace. Be still. And I've learned in my life that oftentimes when I open my eyes, it doesn't seem that different. And that's when I have to trust this, that God's always at work even when we don't see it yet. And I've learned this, and this is, this is a freebie. I've learned that sometimes when I'm going through some things in my life and I don't understand why God hadn't taken care of it yet, I realize that God's using me and using what's going on in my life to touch somebody else's life. So I realize that my spiritual battle is not just about me. I recognize that, you know what, and I, I'm going to be telling it helps me because when I'm in those moments, I recognize my kids are watching me. I'll kind of wrap with this story. A few, a few months ago, it was a Wednesday night, 
and we were in worship and and on Wednesdays they bring our younger kids in and they're sitting over there and and through worship and it's just kind of a beautiful a beautiful moment and uh, and then so I'm over here and during worship I found myself you know that compelling moment I I, I just fell on my knees and I'm worshiping God I got my hands up and I and I remember opening my eyes and looking across the platform to the other side of the sanctuary and I see a, some kids have got their hands up and they're worshiping, but I look and I see my grandson and he's looking around one of those kids and he's just looking at his pawpaw. And I realized in that moment, they're always watching. And what I want my kid to see, what I want my family to see is that no matter what the situation is, no matter what's going on in my life, I'm going to lift my hands and I'm going to praise God in those moments because they're watching. Somebody is always watching. And you say, oh, I can't live my life like that, like somebody's watching. Yes, you can. Because it's not about perfection. It's about knowing who we turn to. Spiritual warfare is a real deal and it's always there. As a matter of fact, the Bible teaches us in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I love this. In chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, it says, We are pressed on every side by troubles, but not crushed and broken. Wow, I love that one. That's the one, that's the one you read and you go, Oh, I'm pressed aside. I feel that, but I'm not crushed and broken. I'm kind of feeling crushed and broken. But the word said, No, no, no. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed and broken. We are perplexed. We are challenged in our thinking because we don't know why things happen as they do, but we don't give up and quit. We are hunted down, but God never abandons us. I love this. I love this, the living Bible. I love this, this passage in this. It says, but God never abandons us. We get knocked down, but we get up and we keep going. Spiritual warfare is about understanding. I'm going to go through some stuff, but I'm not stopping. I'm not that person. I'm not that loser. I'm not that person that's not going to stand for what's right, for my faith, for what I believe in, for what the Bible speaks. I'm going to be the person that says, God, I want to step up. I want to be the person that says, no matter what it looks like, no matter how frustrated I am, I want to step up and say, God, use me. Send me. And if my pain can help somebody else come closer to Jesus, I'm in. You need to step up and partner with Christ for your victory. That's what spiritual warfare comes to. You need to step up and partner with Christ for your destiny, for your future, for your children, for your family, and for those people that are around you. Spiritual warfare is real. But remember, you've got the tools, your faith in the power of God, the power of prayer. And also, when it comes down to all those things happening, obedience to the word, that's who we are. And that's my challenge to you today. Remember, God gave you this Bible. He gave you this word. He gave you this word to direct your path and to give you the tools that you need to overcome. And I hold his word dear. In the hardest points of my life, as I'm closing, I know I said that twice, 
in the hardest places of my life, I find myself, even if I don't open it and read it in that moment, I find myself reaching for my Bible. We were going through some difficult times with my, one of my children. And the reports that we were getting were not the ones we wanted. I remember taking my Bible and at night because I was all the anxiety and all the stress, all the weariness. And you know, as a parent, y'all know. I'd take my Bible and I'd lay it on my chest. And it was a comfort. Can I tell you, it's because it's not just a book. It's not just a bunch of pages that were put together and canonized. Although that's a part of the story, we recognize because I know that God speaks to me through this. It's my guide. And when we recognize that it has the way, it has the way for us, it gives us the tools that we need. Bind this word up in your heart. Treasure it. And know that God will never leave you and He'll never forsake you. And to remember this, you're an overcomer. You really are. And you don't have to lose the spiritual battle. Win it. Give your thoughts to God and take captive, as the Word said, the thoughts. We, we barely got through even a portion of what there is. There's so much wonderful stuff there. But what I want you to see is this. Yes, you walk in the flesh. Yes, you're going to have challenges. But also know this, that you are well able to take ground for God. Why? Because God has empowered you. Because God lives in you. The power of Christ goes from you. I love that. But today, maybe that's you and you feel beat up. I know. I've been there. But also know God is a restorer and he will refill you with the passion and the energy, the, the strength and the joy of the Lord can return. But you've got to be willing to let God do it. We have to be willing to lay it down. So I'm going to ask you to do this all across the house. Would you just bow your head, close your eyes just for a, a moment. Father, today as we wrap up our time together, I pray God that you would speak to the hearts of your people. I pray God that in these areas where we struggle, where we have surrendered our faith in some ways, that God, you would point those things out, reveal them so that we can deal with them right now. So convict us, God. Let us see so that we can be better. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I'm here. And you know, these battles I've been going through, it's been a struggle, man. I have struggled and I need a touch of God. I need God to empower me to get through this. If that's you right now, you say, Pastor, that's me. Just lift your hand up right where you are so I can remember how to pray for you. Thank you, 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 thank you. Yes, yes, yes. 
Thank you. Thank hands up all over. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. You can place your hands back down. Yes. Now I'm going to ask you to do this. If you would, just stand to your feet. I'm going to ask our altar workers and our pastors that are available to make their way to the front very quickly. And I want to encourage you, first of all, if you're here today and you're feeling that pressure, you're feeling that tension, that's what we're here for. We want to pray with you. So, Pastor, I want some, I just need to pray. If you just want a place to be praying, you don't want somebody praying with you, just find a place at the altar, at these steps, and just, just spend some time with God this morning. It's totally fine. What we, don't, we don't want you to leave without spiritual needs being met, and God will. If you need a refilling that I've spoken of, this is the place. God will do it. You do not have to leave the same as you came in. It's a choice. But finally, I'm going to ask this. If you would, once more, bow your head, close your eyes, and I'm going to ask this question. It's completely personal. I'm not going to embarrass you today, but you're here today, and you know you're not right with God. You know there's sin in your life. And today, you say, Pastor, I need to make a decision for Jesus. I need to lay down the sin that I know is in my life and commit it to Him. If that's you today, this is your moment. Say, Pastor, would you remember me? Just slip your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I need to get right with God today. This is my moment. I'm not going to embarrass you and call you to the front. This is personal business. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Amen. Thank you. So I want you to look up at me one more time. We're about to pray a prayer together. And those of you that raised your hand this morning, listen to me. Tell somebody about the decision that you're making today. This is important because you're not meant to walk alone. And life pushes us down a lonely path. It always will. But that's what the world wants you to do. God has given us the church so we have community. So tell somebody. Tell somebody. You say, I don't have anybody. Yes, you do. You got me. You got us. You got a whole house full of people that will love on you and encourage you all the way. But we're going to pray this prayer. We're going to pray it as a family. So would you bow your heads with me again and let's pray this as a family. Dear Jesus, I'm sorry. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart right now. I repent and I turn away from my past. Today, I am a new creation. I belong to you. And my tomorrow is for you. My today is for you. I belong to you, Jesus. It's in your name I pray. Amen. And amen. Give the Lord some